The Boundless Authenticity Podcast presents to you the Portal to Ascension series. The Portal to Ascension Conference will be held April 21st to 23rd, 2023 at Marina Village Conference Center, San Diego, California. After three years of a collective dark night of the soul, the Portal to Ascension Conference is returning live and in person and is fully activated for the mission ahead of us all. As energy continues to shift and hidden truths are being uncovered, we are piecing together the fragmented parts of our existence to create awareness of the truth of who we are and remember our connection to the cosmos. This event is all about deprogramming ourselves from the outdated matrix system and remembering who we truly are at the core. Discover ancient origins, uncover hidden truths, and recover your true identity with guest speakers Alan Steinfeld, JJ and Desiree Hurtock, Linda Moulton Howe, Robert Schock, Caroline Corey, Robert Edward Grant, Barbara Lamb, Michael Cremo, Ra of Earth, Adam Apollo, Neil Gar, Joan of Angels, John Block, Deborah Gusty, Michelle Anderson, Eric Rankin, Geraldine Orozco, Sharia Dharma, Lori Wheeler, Torcom G, Lori Spania, Tangila, Jenna Layden, Sheila Seppi, Larissa Stowe, Fox Angeles, Stargate Experience, and Share the Light. Get tickets at ascensionconference.com. On this episode, I speak with Alan Steinfeld, who is a pioneer in ET contact and disclosure. Alan believes that it is time for humanity to accept that we are not alone and that we need to transcend old paradigms to push our limitations beyond what is found in the mainstream. For Alan, disclosure is an inside job, meaning that we all have to wake up to our own potential as galactic beings. Alan recently wrote a book, Making Contact, which is a great introduction to the subject of extraterrestrial phenomena. You can find Alan on YouTube at youtube.com slash newrealities at newrealities.com and follow on Instagram at Alan underscore Steinfeld. Make sure to grab yourself a copy of Making Contact on Amazon. So Alan, how's it going? Great. I've been traveling a lot, covering the world, preaching UFO gospel to the planet, and um, it's been fun. It's been fun. Yes. <laughs> Preaching the UFO gospel. I'm happy to hear that. Um, so go ahead and tell everybody who you are and what you do. Well, I'm not really a preacher, but um, no, I do. I wrote this book recently called Making Contact, which is an overview. It's a real starter sort of um, text about the scope of the UFO situation from the government cover up to the um, experiencers who are having personal one-on-one experiences, to to researchers, to psychologists, to um, to people denying the whole thing. So there's a whole spectrum of how people are approaching what I call basically the unknown. I mean, these may not even be aliens. We think these ships in the sky are are alien, but um, we just say that because we don't know what it is. I'm not saying that they're not. I'm saying there's definitely something out there, and we have to first start from the place that we don't know. If we can start from not knowing, we get rid of all the mythologies and and projections that this phenomenon um, lends itself to. It is a phenomenon. There's something going on, and we have to really demand government coming forward so we can lay it all out on the table, whatever they know, which is probably more than most people, um, and the maybe the downed craft, the bodies, all that, and look at this as a planetary situation. This is not an American thing. Americans are so self-absorbed, they just think it's all about them. No, this is happening. I've talked to researchers in Japan, in Korea, in China, in Australia, in South America, all over Europe. Um, I don't know about the islands, but I'm sure there's sightings down there too in the Caribbean. But 
This is worldwide. This is planetary. This is this is confronting the human civilization and it's probably the most um, controversial moment in human history when we finally get to meet the other. The other in the course of history has always been someone in another country or race or religion or whatever. But there we're all humans. We're all very much not other. We're all very much the same. This is a chance to me, I feel with an open mind, what is not quite the same. Of course, on another level, they are like us, on the level of consciousness, the level of sentience. But on the, the physical level, maybe they're very much different on the uh, way they think about reality. So we have a lot to learn from these beings. And um, I think they're being very gentle with us in the sense that, of course, some people claim abductions are a little um, harsh, but they're coming and going. We, we have a chance to constantly reevaluate our belief systems and worldviews because right now they're showing up more than they ever have. There's more media stories about this. And we somehow have to make the conversion in our minds that, you know, not to laugh at what we don't know, but to embrace what we don't know. You know, that's, that's the problem with humans. Um, I think it was Heraclitus who said, dogs also bark at what they don't know. But humans, humans, I feel, I'm optimistic about the human race. We are um, inquisitive. You know, that's what spread our species around the planet like oh yeah what's over that other mountain range what's in over that ocean so our ability to be curious which is i think a more predominant emotion than our ability to react and 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 go to war is so we have is 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 the primarily the impetus for the human race to evolve. We're here at the point of evolution. We're at the threshold of, of um, something new. And I'm really excited by it. And I'm excited about talking to people like you who are really open-minded about these ideas. Yeah. I mean, I'm loving everything you're saying. I am really excited to find out what happens in the future as well. And I guess to address the thing you said about the Caribbean, I think people in Barbados, they don't really look up very much. You know, they, <laughs> I look up, I see things all the time. Like I've seen clouds that were not clouds. Uh, I had a moment just at the beginning of the pandemic. I took my dog outside to walk and obviously nobody else was outside because everybody was in quarantine. So it was just me and my dog and he had to go pee. And suddenly I experienced a time distortion and I saw this big bright light come up out of the ocean straight up and then it started zigzagging around at unnatural angles that you just know human technology can't do when wow. it was done it, it well first of all what was odd to me is that I was watching it in awe and it was just seemed to be scanning the whole coastline for something and this was the brightest light I've ever seen in my life then when it was done it zipped up at a almost a 90 degree angle made an abrupt turn and disappeared. And then when wow. it was done, I just stood there with my jaw on the floor. Like what happened? And it was almost like it was just from me. Mm. You get what I'm saying? I totally get what you're saying. And thank you so much for sharing that story. I mean, it's similar to a lot of story, well, not a lot, but some stories I've heard, but I think in some ways that just was for you. That was, your doorway and that's exactly what we're talking about more and more this kind of mm, phenomena is going to be confronting people and so you are so open-minded you just you know went with it other people would have reacted in fear i'm not saying that's a good thing but but you took it all in do you feel like there was some communication between you and the craft at that time i am not certain whether it was communicating or if it was just saying hey I'm here, you know, it's just a confirmation for me because if I think about where my head was at 
during that time. I was doing a lot of inner work and, and just trying to stay in my heart. And we you know with the prospect of everything going on with the pandemic, everybody was trying to figure out exactly what's going on. And I've been what you can consider a conspiracy theorist or rather a coincidence theorist for many years because I've had the courage to look under covers and see what's under yeah. there. So I, I suspected that something was going on, but I also knew that it was relevant to the shift. And I, I was curious about how other beings are perceiving us at this time going through this. And um, it was very interesting to me that it just happened the way that it did. And it was also very interesting to me that around that time when we could finally leave our houses and stuff and I would go for walks on the beach because I do live on the beach. I, I just have to go out there that um, I would look at the clouds and I would just be pondering things or just doing a walking meditation. And I would look up and I would see like a translucent shape in the clouds. And then it's no sooner than I would see it it's almost like there would be an acknowledgement that it knows that I saw it and then it would disappear. And so it, these are things that, you know, you can't point and be like, Hey, what's that? Cause you don't want to alarm a bunch of people, but also the time that it would take for me to raise my finger is how quickly it was gone. No, I totally believe that actually a similar case happened to me when I was in New Mexico Everyone was looking at this strange cloud in the sky with like, it looked like a finger pointing up with. And then I turned away from it. I said, okay, that's interesting. And then they said, look, there's a light. And I just thought they were joking, but I slowly turned around and there was a light there. And as soon as I saw it, as soon as I made contact, it went out. And so they, they are very much, it seems almost impossible that they can be so attuned to human consciousness, but it's like, I think they are this, you know, if you see a plane flying overhead, it's not like anybody on that plane could make contact with someone on the ground. But I think that's how vast these beings consciousnesses are because consciousness thoughts are real things and when you see those objects you're making an impact in ways that we have yet to understand so in a way that was for you it was waiting for you it was waiting for me to turn around i mean i've heard so many stories like this that there's some interface with who we are that we have yet to understand because people don't even accept consciousness as a fact of existence but we have to change, that's why I wrote this book, change our awareness of our power of our minds, who we really are, and our abilities that we have yet to even understand. I mean, I teach remote viewing, which is the ability, you know what that is, right? Remote viewing. And it's the ability to project our mind anywhere we want to when we get out of the way, when we get all our personal stuff out of the way, you could tune into anyone on the planet, past, present, or future, and see and know exactly what they're doing. If we get out of the way enough. But the problem is we're so self-absorbed with our personality, we don't make the space to actually use this remote sensing to, um, to know what's really going on. But I think that's changing. I think the power of consciousness to change reality, it's much more powerful than we've, we've been given credit for. Things like religion and politics and education, I mean, nothing wrong with all those, but they all have their own ideas and media, media, you know, mainstream media is telling you who you should be, what you should be, how you should think, and what's possible and not possible. So if we can get rid of that, say, and, and feel, well, it's all possible, there are no limits on human thought, and we're powerful enough to make a difference and communicate with these beings, then we're going to open up uh, um, to become a new planetary civilization. Like in my remote viewing classes, it's called um, remote viewing through making contact. So we learn the basics of remote viewing and then we go off planet. 
we go off planet to meet those others on the Pleiades, on, on Sirius, on uh, Trappist 8. You know, we, we go to these stars. And the incredible thing is everyone gets the same or pretty similar impression when we go to these off-world locations. And so I'm really excited by that because it shows that um, what people call the imagination is really not uh, a manufactured, you know, fantasy. It's a reality. And we've been taught by our Western psychology to distrust our minds. You know, oh, if you're having a vision, if you're having a thought, if you think you've seen a UFO and that's just for you, you must be crazy. But no, we have to reorder our reference to our own psychology and um and trust trust who we are yeah there are crazy people out there who are who do see you know hallucinations but i'd say that's one percent of a population that has because of that one percent we've been taught to just trust our minds so let's turn it around let's help that one percent get balanced and realize that our psychic perceptions, our awarenesses are real and they count and they're important. So that's sort of how I'm doing. <laughs> you know, to that 1%, all I got to say is crack is whack, man. Stay away from it. Crack is whack. Don't do crack, kids. Stay away from it. You know, if they're having hallucinations, if they're having drug-induced in hallucinations and things like that. You know, right. you're so right about that because simple things like that do ruin the experience and psychology has and psychiatry has done a disservice to the area of consciousness in general. And it reminds me of um, Rick Strassman in the DMT where he talks about the experiences of, of the beings and things like that. I wonder how many people have these psychoactive experiences, whether it's, you know, they're doing something you know, maybe they're out by the Joshua tree one night smoking some weed or something, or, you know, they're just, they're on their way home from the club and they're drunk and they look up and they see something and then they try to tell people and they discredit it. You know, there has to be a fair amount of that because when you're out of your rational mind, it's easier to see those things, isn't it? So well, absolutely. A rational mind has trapped us in a very limited perception prison, you know, where only if we see something that's out of the rational mind, we we think we, we think we're hallucinating. And on the other end of things, I have to say, psychology and psychiatry have helped a lot of people. But then again, they tell us how to think and what to think. It's always it's always a balance, you know. Yeah, it's done us a lot of good, but it's done us a lot of um, containment. So. But your experience, I totally believe that's what happened to you. And I think the more you were talking about, the more I think that was for you. They were aware of your consciousness and you were slightly in this other state that, that broke down the walls of the logical mind that made those that, that reality appear for you. So the, these are true experience. These are true. This is, this is the new the new the new psychology we can call it you know that's, that's based on the mind's ability to to perceive doorways of new realities right and there's something i wanted to say about uh social media playing a big role in that too because if you go on tiktok there's plenty of people who are posting their sightings and things like that and their opinions on it and it's it's become a huge thing you know so it's not something that we can run from anymore and i think that's a really great thing and i'd like to segue into the topic of abduction because i could probably sit and talk to you for hours alan about different things that i've experienced from the time i was a child i used to have recurring dreams years of my life about a craft coming down above my house, taking me up, and then it would be a completely loving experience, but they would just be showing me the, the earth through a window. And it would be a feeling as though I knew them somehow, you know? Yeah, well, 
you know, don't, I'm just saying from the way you said it, don't divorce yourself from that being a reality that is real and true that you live through. And when you really integrate that into like the personality history, then you start to see the world from that level. So I, I believe that that happened to you. And I think something like that, not quite as vivid as, or, or lucid as you, but something happened to me like that. And, and I've had a hard time actually accepting it as I wouldn't say real or unreal, just accepting. Cause I know something happened, but, but, um, my work, and the writings and the next book and is, is working on that integration. Like how do I, cause you know, the world doesn't make it easy for us to accept these, these adventures of consciousness, but we can't deny them either. Then we become, then we, then we're on the other side. So it's like, we have to believe, like it's what Joe Dispenza says in a way, you have to believe in yourself. <laughs> Do you know Joe Dispenza's work? Yeah, he says, you have to believe your mind's experience are more real than what the world out there is telling you is real. And when you do that, well, you manifest what you want, but also you you open the doorway to to these interchanges. So if we just accept that yes, abductions are real. I don't know how to explain them. Uh, maybe, maybe what happened to you wasn't even an abduction. It was a contact E. I mean, I think maybe what happened to me was more of an abduction because I don't remember it. I do remember sperm being taken. That was very strange, but I don't, I wasn't that loose. And I do remember being given this little being to hold in my hands that, that was, I, didn't feel any connection to that being. I'd have to say, this is, I said to myself, this is weird. Why am I holding this little creature? I mean, it wasn't afraid. It was just like, oh. So I think, you know, we're all evolving in the acceptance of these other realities. And some people are more lucid than me. I think Whitley Strieber is one of the most lucid people out there. He he knows more of those contact experiences than anyone else. Maybe, I mean, you sound like you're pretty lucid in those experiences too, but they are us. They are definitely a part of our psychic awareness, our minds, our every, you know. And I think when we integrate that, they be, those beings actually become more in our world. I think that's the point, you know. The more we accept them, the more we give them permission to show up. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I am going to talk about this for a little bit longer because I uh, something's just telling me that this is something that people are ready to hear and they, this would really help a lot of folks that maybe they are getting contacted through dreams. I mean, that dream that I had, that happened from the time I was very young. I, I would have to say, about four years old is when I really became aware of it. And it recurred for years up until I was about 12 years old. And then it stopped. And then life happened. And when I got back on track and got onto my awakening journey, then I started getting what I consider to be contacted again through dreams. And I always tell people, don't discredit the power of the subconscious because when you're sleeping, it's doing its thing and it's just another way of relaying or receiving information and you are asleep. So when your guard is down, you would be open to contact. I mean, suppose you have to say something difficult to someone in your family or a partner or something, you're going to wait till their guard is down so you can talk to them when they're receptive to it. You're not going to just hit them with it straight up, right? So it makes sense. That's a really good point, John. That's a really good point. So you had those dreams, but, you know, I think we can call them dreams. And, you know, but there's those altered states that we're in in the when we're sleeping um, just – uh, as another doorway for them to enter because um, that's how they don't, they, that's their reality, I think is more 
dreamlike. It's not dreams. That's why we have to really go deeper into understanding consciousness and the levels of consciousness and the the terrain, the the landscape of consciousness to realize that dreams, I mean if you usually dreams just fade away as we as we wake up, but these dreams, these dreams of ETs and contact, you don't forget them because they're not dreams. They're interfaces with other realities and our language is not sophisticated enough to say that what they really are. They're they're other levels of mind. So so I think we should talk about it more and map the landscape of this other reality for people to realize that you had a dream and it's still with you and it's about ETs. I would say that's not a dream. That's an avenue into meeting them on a certain level. I mean, when I was regressed after my abduction, if you want to call it that, in 1987, it took me a long time to say, okay, I'll finally want to have a regression. But, you know, I, was, I wasn't necessarily afraid, but I was reluctant because, because I hadn't remembered that much. And then I went, did this regression. But that night, I dreamed all these creatures were s- standing around me, just watching over me. They looked like birds, but I mean, they weren't, um, they weren't birds. I, could, I mean, people say owls, but they were something like that. You know, the mind creates screen memories of things we rather see than what it actually is there sometimes. But that's what happened to me. These, these beings appeared. And so, Let's keep practicing our dream work and start to realize when we're lucid, when we're traveling to other worlds, when we're out of our bodies, when we're, you know, astral projecting, when we're meeting other beings. This is like, I think, the most important study we can do within the consciousness field is investigate levels of consciousness and not with drugs. Drugs, I mean, they're okay if you want to do it, but they're just one level they're not that fluid in a sense you're you do something like dmt or and then you're you're there but it's not modulated by your mind it's it has it's an outside agent and we can develop just by watching yourself fall asleep that's my practice okay you watch and this is what i learned from the australian aborigines they say their religion is called dream time they don't pray to anyone. There's no church. There's no, they're just, and it's, and they know that they are only visiting this planet. So dream time is when, as you're falling asleep and you're aware, let's say you're tired, but you, you keep your mind on the images that are coming to you. And most of the time, what you're thinking about, what you're seeing is just your recycled thoughts from the day. Oh, why did that person say this? Oh, you have to go shopping tomorrow. I want to buy the this or I need to say this to that person. But that's all input. At some point, you become the observer and you drop into this other level and you, um, and you start to receive the images. You become the receiver. You become, you re- become some, um, you just let them come to you. You just let them be, yeah, you just let them flow into your mind. And, and as you're watching them, you're in the dream time. So you're observing these things coming into your mind. They start to change and they start to, um, you know, just shift. Um, you start to shift your perspective on it. So you go from the thinking mind to the dreaming mind, you know, and then you become this other level of reality. So um, do you know what I'm talking about? Do you, do you get Did I? I know exactly what you're talking about because that's what I do every night. <laughs> you tell me what you do every night. Yeah. So usually I just, yeah, I'll tell you exactly right down to what I do with my body. I usually lay flat on my back and I put one hand, the left hand over my heart and the other hand on my stomach. And that way I feel like I establish better coherence. 
and I just focus on my breathing and I try not to pay attention to too much of what's going through my head. Like, just like how you said, I have to say this thing to somebody tomorrow. I have to buy this thing. Try not to pay attention to those things. I just let them slow down. And what it does is it puts me in this very relaxed state. And if I do consciously will any thoughts, it'll be gratitude or Mm. I'll resolve something that's coming up emotionally. I'll question that to death until I get the, the answer that I need about that thing. And then I move on, I let it go. I move on. And, um, well, oftentimes what happens within five, 10 minutes is that I begin to feel as though my consciousness is actually going forward. Like it's being pulled outward. And I then see different beings will come and look at me and they're like, holy shit, he can see me. How come you can see me? And you know, like that kind of thing. And I just keep going and I keep allowing to push past them and not being daunted by them or anything. And then I'm out. And then that takes me very quickly into my dreams and and I can be the observer in my dreams almost immediately. Right. That's really evolved. That's exactly what we need to do as a, as a practice that, yeah. And then you, have you left your body? Have you been able to project out of your body? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Many times. And I mean, I'll tell you about what happened at the beginning of my journey when I started meditating a lot, like I would meditate as much as I could throughout the day for almost six months straight. All I did was meditate. People thought something was wrong with me. They thought I was depressed or something. And uh, I mean, I really was working through a lot of things in meditation help, but eventually I feel as though I gave off so much energy because I lived in Pennsylvania for a long time and I traveled across the bottom states um, doing music because I, I was a musician at the time. And I ended up in places like the Mojave Desert and Albuquerque near the airport. And I saw crafts there too when I was going through these lights would appear in the sky and, you know, talking about 10, 1030 in the night driving through. And I just knew from then that there was more going on than that. And I got into meditation and things like that. And as I would learn to get better at meditating, the more clarity I got, the more often I'd just be sitting in my room in Pennsylvania and these beings would show up just to observe me. And one night, I'm absolutely certain that it was a little gray alien because it was short and it was almost a stereotypical description. And there was no threat or anything. He just wanted to know, how are you sending off so much energy? Oh, it's kind of like that, you know, like, almost like he was trying to tell me or reassure me that what I was doing was good for me in a way. And then it left. And then as that journey progressed within a year and a half, then there would be experiences where I'd be learning what I, to do what I just told you. And nobody taught me how to do it. I just kind of figured it out on my own. Cause I started getting into like Linda Moulton, Howe and those kinds of things. And, um, I was, I was very curious about where, what happens to consciousness when we sleep, where do we go when we sleep? And, um, I would hear, like frequencies in my ears and like warbling, like somebody speaking to me. And um, that still happens, but I don't want to get far off the topic. And one night I was laying in my bed. I remember I was just about to turn over onto my right side and I started hearing the warbling, like somebody was speaking to me. And it was very clear. It, it began in a muffled, almost foreign language. And it seemed to have moments where it, it was going into English. And that night when I fell asleep, I because it, the time was distorted, I'm not sure what the duration was between being asleep in this experience, but there was a bright white light that came down above the house. And it was so bright that it woke me up. And I saw it, and I don't recall what happened after seeing it. So I'm not sure if I went back to sleep or what the case was. And I don't remember my dreams that night. And I've been very good at remembering my dreams every morning. I try to recall them, make sure I I can make sense of them ever since that, because that taught me pay attention for sure. Don't take any dreams for, you know, 
granted or anything like that. So I know that these things happen. I know that they try to make contact with me in different ways. It's mostly through dreaming that they'll pop up from time to time in my waking state just to say hello. And about the hearing the distorted voices, I was telling my girlfriend about that. We were just on vacation over Christmas. And it happened when I was laying in bed with her. And I was like, do you hear that? She's like, no. I was like, well, how come it's only me that can hear this? <laughs> I, I hear voices too, like people like overhearing conversations that don't really have anything to do with me. Like, yes, maybe two farmers talking or something. I'm like listening to these. And then they kind of fade away. But yeah, that's the whole act of observing and and we've been taught to be afraid of that. But no, we're, if we're the observer, which I think we are, which quantum physics says we are, then we're the big mind that's maybe tuning into people down the road or war across the world or, you know, we're in the infinite field of consciousness, which is all connected. So everything is accessible and um, beyond time and space. So this is just what is. And I think actually, since you're so good at that, why, you should start to teach classes just on what you told me. I mean, not I'm telling you what to do, but I think you're trained enough to start to bring people into that awareness because of your practice. That's just what comes to me to say to you. Well, that's a great idea because I already do teach people about breathing and, and things like that, you know, basic mindfulness, but I haven't actually really ever thought of that. So thank you for that suggestion. Well, do, um, it, do it overnight. Try, try, try it out. You lay out the, and then you could play some nice um, meditation music or like the binaural beats things that um, put the left and right brain together, you know, and just guide people to the observer place and then you know even wake them up after two hours and say okay come on back and let's share or, or however you want to do it it's just coming but i'd love to see what you come up with that would be very interesting and it, it, another question is throughout the span of my life the experiences i just told you and, and the dreams from a child what if they were just giving me information that i needed for oh, later yeah, use yeah. in my life you know? But they are giving you information. What's the yeah. question? What? No, that was it. What if they were just giving me information? Like when I was a kid, what if they were just giving me information about things I would need to use later on? And maybe I just, maybe there are things that I'm not conscious of that I already had the information. But maybe you're still working with this. Look, you're doing this mm -hmm. show here. And maybe like they're giving you information to draw upon I mean, we think information is data, but information is really the ability to shift perspective and communicate and and do other things and just, I mean, it seems like you're doing it from what I, I don't know you at all, but you're doing it. You're taking all that information, you're putting it back out into the world because you have it to share. So I would say it's not what if, but yeah, exactly. You're doing it. <laughs> what I yeah. see. Well, uh, yeah, I get it. I'm trying to put myself in that position because anybody that listens to this, I want them to think whatever is happening to you, what if that's a really positive experience? You know what I'm saying? We got to break this stigma. And, um, well, it is though. It is. I mean, I mean, there's some awful things, you know, not pleasant thing, but, mm -hmm. but I think, I think we're coming to a time hopefully where, We've learned all those lessons of those, you know, torturous suffering, all those lifetimes, all those, you know, my last lifetime was in World War II, so I think or feel, in the concentration camps. And that wasn't a picnic. You know, that was not pleasant. But here we are again to really start to, I mean, of course, that kind of stuff is still happening. We're not, you know, there's people, a lot of people still suffering, but you know, if they're in our reality, I think they're, we're here to make it better for people, you know? I mean, yeah, people choose what they want, but they're also interfacing with our consciousness, just like those ETs that are interfacing with your consciousness are uplifting you to a higher vibration. That's the interface. So, you know, if we can help 
uplift maybe people who are depressed, people who are down, people who doubt their doubt their experiences because they've been told they were crazy, then you know, as if we can shift help to shift their perception of themselves, it just uplifts the vibration of the planet a little more. And you know, there's more coherence and we're people come in and join the team in a way. And, you know, we were able to create these new realities that are not based on fear and lack and suffering and, you know, emotionality. I mean, I, I no dramas. I mean, I think we're here to have feelings, but you know, you know, people that are caught up in their drama, they're always telling you this happened to them or their story. And it's like they get, that becomes a, a kind of obsession, their own story about, I'm not saying what happened to them isn't whatever it is, but we can rise up out of the emotionality and feel. I mean, I, I make a distinction between feelings and the drama of emotion. I think we're here to feel, absolutely. But those feelings, if when they become self-indulgent and self-pitying, become obsessions of egoic personality that gets in the way of feeling each moment and we're in the, in, in the presence of each moment, which is really why we incarnated is to feel the presence of, of, of this experience. And when we get caught up in those dramas, it takes us away from the present and indulging in, in a, um, a sort of downward spiral, which I think, this is just my theory, feeds these interdimensional psychic beings that live off our intense emotion. You know what I mean? I, I agree with you on that. That's such a profound thing you just said about being here to experience the presence of every moment rather than all the other stuff. I've actually never well, heard it said quite that way. There's no other stuff. It's just experience. But why do we want experience? Is because we're the creator gods that came in to experience creation. That's just my feeling. So, you know, right. you were anxious to have this experience of this interface and being a bridge to these other dimensions because of all the things you've done in all those lifetimes. And now it's a chance to help move the planet into a new place that's not based on war and suffering and all those things. So all the training you've had, this is my feeling, is to lift the light on the planet to this newer vibration that we're all discovering. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> this conversation can go so many other directions. Wherever you want it to go, I'm fine. Um, yeah. Let's talk more about the things in, in your book about um, things like the Department of Defense and the UAP's task force and things like that. You know, th these are not things that are necessarily spoken about commonly, although there are a lot more people putting content out there about it. And uh, I think about the majority of those people, you know, <laughs> majority of those people, I want the majority of those people that are doing it, you know, them very well, you know, and they're in your book. But you know, the big thing, the big, um, one of the keys that I think the government themselves have given us is going from the term UFO, unidentified flying object to UAP on what is a unexplained aerial phenomena so we went th those first two words are pretty much explained un unexplained unidentified but going from object to phenomena what is that so because there's something more that's happening that you just talked about it made it real didn't it it made it real and it made it beyond just things distant from us. It's a phenomena. And in some of the documents that are actually public that came out of the ATIP program, it talks about effects on human neurology. It's the effects of UFO. By seeing a UFO or having a close encounter, you're, you're, you're human's are affected. 
humans uh, for bad, for better or worse, really. Sometimes some people claim healing, other people claim toxic radiation. I mean, there's, there's the phenomena is interactive and it is a phenomenon. If it was just objects in the sky, right, it's not as real as it in your face. I mean, in the second chapter of my book by Grant Cameron, you know, and just to explain to people, this book is a collection of essays by people I consider the best and brightest and most well-researched that I know of. I mean, there's some other people I would have liked in the book. They were too busy. Like, would have liked to have Richard Dolan there and a couple of others, Jacques Vallée. But the people I got in that book are basically really the people who devoted their lives to this subject and people I really respect. Linda Moulton Howe, Whitley Strieber, a previously unpublished um, essay by John Mack, who was one of the most important people in this field. And I went to his archivist and I said, well, you know, there's this talk that John gave. I'd love to, you know, transcribe that, put it into the book. And he said, sure. So that was a real coup, getting a previously unpublished essay by John Mack. If you don't know who Dr. John Mack is, look him up, former Harvard psychiatrist. I mean, there's so much to say about John Mack that um, that would be a a long conversation. But anyway, (laughs) In the second chapter, written by Grant Cameron, who's probably the premier Canadian researcher uh, in the field, and he also has something about every U.S. president and their, since Roosevelt, I guess, and their connections to UFOs, Roosevelt, Truman, Eisenhower, Kennedy, Nixon, Johnson, all those, there's there's a history for of interaction or understanding or, anyway, because he studied the phenomena and he's gotten away from nuts and bolts, he says, if you've seen a craft or a ship, you are part of the phenomena. There are no innocent bystanders. That's the point I'm getting to. You are it. It is interfacing. It is entangled. You know, the quantum entanglement, because you've made contact, you are entangled maybe forever, at least this life, but you, you, you have a direct connection to this thing. So it's not like, oh, I just saw something. It's like, no, it's an aspect of consciousness that you've now tapped into. So that's the phenomena. It's an aspect of the phenomena is conscious related. These are not just objects. Or what Jacques Vallée says, if I find out that UFOs are just people visiting or beings visiting from another planet, I'll be very disappointed. There's so much more going on. There's these synchronicities. There's these um, words and names and numbers and and visions. I mean, it is so complex. It is. And that's one of the reasons the government wants to kind of keep it under wraps because it can't explain it. It doesn't know what to do with it. We are defenseless in the face of it. I mean, why do we, the U.S. have a, what, a, was it $7 billion defense budget when we are defenseless? Um, and what, we don't even have to, and not like they're coming to take over. You know, they've, um, they don't want, I mean, they want us to evolve because, we are like, did you ever have a little like um, splinter in your toe and it affects your whole body? It's like you can't sleep because it's a little, we're the splinter in the toe of a, this cosmic consciousness. So and it's disturbing. I mean, yeah, maybe that's their lesson they have to learn, but I think we're at a turning point where those unconscious dramas that I call emotionality can start to become conscious so we can all, and this is my fantasy and hope, really live in joy, creativity, abundance, possibility. I mean, it's like the Imagine song, you know, John Lennon. Imagine all the people living for today. Um, You may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. But um, it's... I, I know that's possible. And another part that the uh, government is keeping secret is the fact that these craft are not filling up their gas tank to get here. When free energy, and because I'm sure these craft, whatever they are, are using free energy means they're not running on fossil fuel, if that's even what it is. 
They're, they're not using any sorts, sort of propulsion system that we understand or have used, and that will really upset a lot of corporate structures. I mean, if everyone has access to energy, then we don't need an enslaved society, and we don't need people working just to get by, I mean, you know, and, and survive, and then we can start to thrive. And it really is not so much about aliens as it is about, at least for the government side and corporations, that governments and corporations, it's what um, Eisenhower said, beware of the military industrial complex. So it's more, I think the secret of governments have more to do with, oh, these aliens are going to scare people. No, it's more to do with, we can't let people have free energy because mm-hmm. that will really upset the powers in control. And um, that's what seems obvious to me. I mean, who cares if there's I aliens? Agree. I mean, right, but, but. I agree. You know, it's the suppression what, of freedom. Absolutely. It's a suppression of freedom and possibilities and, and what, um, what um, Linda Moulton Howe says is um, an enslavement, you know? So we are enslaved to the corporations that want to keep us separate from our natural birthright, which is abundance. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. One- if they came and they reached a critical mass, so many people would take responsibility for the power of their own consciousness and the ability to choose that it would completely run the evil humans off the planet. (laughs) And that's exactly the threshold we are at at this Mm -hmm. moment in history. Which way are we going to go? Are we going to run them off? Are they going to grow up and you know, share the toys with the rest of the kids in the playground, or are they going to say, no, it's my ball. I'm going home. Um, you know, it's, um, it's, it's greed. It's really greed. And of course, religion, you know, religion doesn't want people to know that, you know, maybe there, there are beings out. I don't know. I, I say, just open up the vaults, open up the doors. Let's know everything there is to know because I'm obsessed with knowledge and understanding. And so let's just put it out there. We're not children, you know, the government. And I don't know why other governments don't come out with it. Probably the same reason, but why doesn't at least the, why can't they just roll out the truth, the fact, not even the truth. This is what we got. This is what we know. Let's come together as a planetary civilization and try to make sense of our place in the universe, of our place. You know, that also goes in the face of science who says, yeah, life is an accident and, you know, there may or may not be other life forms on those little islands out in space. Well, it's obvious to me that life is an emergent property of creation itself. That means it appears. It just, it's emergent. It's, it, it, it's something that just grows like the grass between the sidewalks. It just, it's not, I mean, what's here on Earth, yes, it's a great planet. It's one of my favorite planets, I have to say. But there's lots of beautiful Earth planets out there, so... So we have to grow up, you know, our, our, the paper, the favorite pastime of humanity has been tribal warfare for 5,000 or 10,000, 20,000 years. And, um, you know, we're fighting each other. We're fighting nature. We're fighting, you know, and we don't have to fight, you know, we are, we are here because we're part of nature. We're here to live in harmony. And I think all that's possible, especially when we have access to free energy, anti-gravity, all those things that are written in science. I mean, this was science fiction 30 years ago or 40 years ago when people would you know, talk on the telephone, but you'd be able to see someone. It's like, 
I never thought that was possible. So we're living in a science fiction movie, but it's not, it's not science fiction, it's reality. So that's the other thing about UFOs. We put them in a category of, you know, sci-fi or things in the movies, but they're not. They're something that our mind has yet to fathom. And we, yes, films and TV shows and movies, and they all are part of the integration. But at some point, everyone listening has to say to themselves, if they want to, yes, this is a reality and bring it on. Yeah. I just read a book on that topic too. I can't remember. It's something, something to do with Hollywood and how the military has its fingers in so much of the content that's put out and it's pretty much as simple as if you don't say or do what i want you to say and do i'm going to take away all my toys and all the sets that you can use and i'm not going to give you any information to help you with your movie and your budget's going to be gone and all those kinds of things and i know that there are some movies that strengthen our connection to the possibility and there's mainly a lot that are fear-mongering, you know? And I think if somebody that's a, uh, an avid TV watcher and they're into this kind of stuff, they should be able to tell by now that there's an agenda to make us afraid. And if not, you know, you got to go do some research, you know, research your TV shows. And like, is it Chris Carter, The X-Files? Things like yeah. that. Like start looking into that kind of stuff and ask yourself, well, gosh, how is he getting this information, you know? Well, I think the information is available everywhere. I mean, it's like right out there. Someone just has to say, this is what I think is going on. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of fear projected onto this phenomenon because it's unknown. People are afraid. Or the military, of course, wants to control people, politicians, religions, media, um, you know, fear sells, right? All those horror movies out there. So Let's make people afraid. Let's make them stay in their house. Let's make them not be able to touch each other or be with each other. Let's make them afraid of each other. And, you know, we'll be able to control people in ways that um, they haven't thought of before, I guess. But, um, yeah, so we have to overcome that. Let's definitely yeah. be part of the new realities of human freedom. Yeah. I saw that um, Caroline Corey recently posted some content to her Instagram page about a reign of Tic Tacs. That's actually, that? that's in her movie, A Tear in the Sky. Have you seen that movie? I haven't seen it. I'm, I'm going to oh, talk to her next week, so maybe she'll she tell me more about that. She is a great person, and probably another one of those really qualified experiencers where if you, you read my book, she wrote the last yes. chapter in my book yeah. said from the age of five, you know, I mean, I love that story. I never forget when she said, you know, her parent, it was Christmas and her parents were fighting around the Christmas tree and everyone was decorating. And she said, what does this have to do with Christmas? What does this have to do with love? And, and then those beings showed up to her and changed her life. So it's like, um, she, yeah, she's a really great person. That's a really good movie. But in that movie, she's scanning the sky and then there's like this little tear, this little portal that opens up. And then these, these objects are appearing and they have a substance to it because they have a, they show up in the radar and they show up on the thermogram and they're cold as opposed to hot. So she tracks these things in the sky that actually come out of nowhere, no physical space, but they manifest in this reality. So that is a huge, um, I don't know, awakening of, of, of what's really going on here. And so, yeah, say, say hello for me. <laughs> but, <laughs> but there's so much, you see how exciting this is? How there's so much to learn and we are being kept in the dark. We're being yeah. kept dumb 
because and, and you know saying oh yeah it's just nonsense even people like neil degrasse tyson what an idiot he is you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> thank you for saying that <laughs> well, you never see the commercial for his net master class i want to quote this back to him he says some people um only have a little bit of, thing, of, a, of an idea of something and and think they know everything you know that's what he introduces class but other people know a lot more and know and think they know nothing you know something like that i'll play that for you sometime but it's his promo for his master class on science where i was saying neil you only little know a little bit about the subject and you really know nothing about it like saying to the pilots of the of the nimitz they were they were artifacts on the radar that they were seeing of this Tic Tac object when they were, Fravor said he saw it with his own eyes. So it's like um, people want to believe what they want to believe because there's no room. They're very attached to their beliefs. You know, that becomes their identity, especially if you're a scientist. One of my favorite books is by uh, Thomas Kuhn, um, Theories in Scientific Revolution, who was a mentor to John Mack, you know? When John Mack got into this topic, he said, hey, Tom, I think I got one for you, a paradigm that shifts reality. And, and Kuhn said to him, just observe it. Don't make, um, don't put it into categories. Let's just take all the information in. So scientists, you know, who say that there's junk DNA in your body or, you know, say these things, you know, this is an argument Stanton Friedman used to give on this side. Stanton Friedman really came out early. I think he was the first person I ever heard talk about UFOs at a lecture. Anyway, Stanton Friedman says that um, mainstream scientists always tell him you, you can't fly faster than the speed of light, you know, or you can't get there from here. And that's why he had such a hard time with ufologists. But what, what do, do you think? think? Yeah, so I was gonna say before we got cut off that i agree with what you were saying right and um in just so listeners know there was a break my internet went off unexpectedly and we're just continuing um from where we left off and um it's funny because i did see neil degrasse tyson just briefly on the screen and i wanted to punch his head off his body in the most loving way possible <laughs> because the of he needs some like waking up. I mean, he's so arrogant and he thinks science has it all figured out. And I heard him actually just today listen to that Neil deGrasse Tyson where he says, Oh, if I'm looking at fuzzy pictures, they're not aliens. And guess what? There's a lot of pictures that are not fuzzy at all. But anyway, yes, it's, it's very frustrating because people want to hold on to their identity and what we're trying to do me and you and the artists and the musicians of the world is push the envelope to, to discover something new. That's really what it comes down to. Absolutely. So, um, tell us where we can find you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. No, I really enjoyed your questions. I love the interview. I mean, I love your open mind and, um, you know, you're thinking about this. You're not just asking questions. You're deep in the discovery with your own experiences. And and I guess I get that you're doing this to integrate your consciousness and everyone who's listening into this realm that have yet to land within this reality. So it's so I appreciate where you're coming from and all the work you're doing and the experiences you've had. And if people want to find me and read my book, Making Contact, did I show you a copy of the book? Uh, oh, you have a copy, but here's my copy, Making Contact. Um, you can go to Amazon. It's always good to order. And then I know, and I kind of kind of see how many people are actually ordering the books on Amazon because I see where my rating goes up and down. But um, Amazon, you uh, make go to Making Contact, Alan Steinfeld. And you can also find me on my YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash new realities. I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, 
not so much Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, not so much. Um, email me at newrealities at earthlink.net. So my whole kind of company is new realities because that's really what my mission is to discover new realities of consciousness. What is a new reality except it transforms consciousness, right? So thanks, Jahan, for um, taking time. And um, let me know what you're up to also, okay? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Thanks for being on with me. And um, I have to say that the work that you're doing is fantastic. I hope that um, Neil deGrasse Tyson meets Stephen Greer someday and there's a smackdown. <laughs> I hope that, you know, I hope that eventually people who don't um, want to accept this or maybe they're on payroll or a combination of things. I hope that they really get the opportunity to experience an open mind on this because they're only doing themselves a disservice and they're doing other people a disservice. And so like you said, that's why I'm doing this because I'm not trying to push anything on anyone. I can only talk about my experiences and then those who listen to us can make their own decision. And things like this give people courage where they may want to speak up where they didn't before. Right. That's actually in the last part of my book. In the, in the prologue to my book, I say there are periods in the principle, when the principle, principles of experience need to be modified, when hope and trust and instinct claim a share in the guidance of human affairs, and when, in truth, to dare is the highest wisdom. And I think that's what makes this so exciting is that we're on the edge of these new realities and we're bringing them into uh, into mainstream. That's like my work with the Hertogs here in California and, you know, why I wanted to publish John Mack's essay in my book. And so many people are, are thinking outside the box and that's really the, the bottom line. Let's think outside the box. Let's think outside the box. Alan, thanks for being on the Boundless Authenticity Podcast. You're listening to the Boundless Authenticity Podcast, where we discuss everything related to the evolution of human consciousness. At the very least, people need to understand that the United States builds bunkers, which are basically cities underground every three months. Basically, when you dream, you tap into your subconscious. It is your nocturnal intuition, your creativity and imagination unchained from conscious reason, ego and logic. Their biologically alive, but they have no soul. They have AI consciousness. They can alter your consciousness of the brain if you get the brain. We live in a multidimensional reality. Whether it comes through esoteric information in the spiritual realms or the UFO people experiencers or mainstream through quantum physics and through mainstream science now realizing that parallel dimensions probably exist. We're all spiritual beings. We're all having these human experiences. We've heard that phrase over and over and over. But what does that really mean?